Welcome to the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly podcast. Today's topic is hard to reach populations with focus on indigenous people. My name is Tania Janaldis Ferreira. I'm an assistant professor with the School of Physical and Occupational Therapy at McGill University in Montreal, Canada. Today, I will interview Dr. Jennifer Allison and Mr. David Meharj. Dr. Jennifer Allison is a professor of respiratory physiotherapy at the University of Sydney and professor of allied health at the Sydney Local Health District, where her role is to build the research capacity of allied health clinicians to ensure best practice patient care. Dr. Allison has worked as a clinician, researcher, and teacher in the area of respiratory disease most of her career, particularly in pulmonary rehabilitation. David Meharj is a descendant of the Bigambu people of Southeast Queensland, and he was raised on Wiradjuri country in Central West New South Wales. He has held positions in Aboriginal health service delivery, leadership and policy within the Australian public health system. He has graduated with a Bachelor of Health Sciences, Master of Health Service Management, and a Master of Public Health. And he's currently doing his PhD and managing the Be Well project, which he will be talking about today. So thank you both for agreeing to participate in this podcast. I would like to start our conversation by asking you about the burden of chronic respiratory disease on Indigenous people. Is the burden of chronic respiratory disease different on Indigenous people compared to non-Indigenous people? And if so, how and why? Oh, hi, Tanya. It's Jenny speaking, and um, lovely to have this opportunity to talk with you um, about this topic. Uh, I just wanted to set the scene a little bit. We're in Australia, and in Australia, um, Indigenous um, Australians um, are Aboriginal, which means that it refers to people of the mainland Australia and or Torres Strait Islanders. Um, that refers to the original peoples of the um, 274 islands located north of Australia off the tip of Queensland in the Torres Strait. So we have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are considered the Indigenous people of Australia. And look, similar to other countries with Indigenous populations, the burden of chronic respiratory disease is higher uh, in Indigenous um, populations. And in Australia, I can give you the statistics on that, which is that the prevalence of COPD uh, in Indigenous Australians is about 2.3 times that of non-Indigenous. It's in the third leading cause of death in Indigenous populations. Um, uh, sorry, it's the fifth leading cause of death in Indigenous populations compared to the third leading cause in, in non-Indigenous populations. And um, uh, unfortunately, the hospitalisation rate is five times that of non-Indigenous people. So um, higher mortality, 2.7 times the mortality. So um, as I said, the differences in burden of disease for Indigenous compared to non-Indigenous people are reflected in other high income countries like Australia, um, where colonisation has occurred. And those other countries are countries like where you are in Canada and New Zealand and the USA um, as, as those sorts of countries. So the burden is, is significantly different from non-Indigenous um, people. And I'm going to let David give his perspectives on why that why that situation exists. Sure. Um, and so I suppose it's really important for us all to understand that health status is impacted by where you live, work, 
and your access to education and healthcare and your associated um, risk factors. And so it's important to understand the health burden of respiratory disease within Indigenous populations through a socioeconomic and cultural perspective. And so that we obviously understand that Indigenous peoples experience greater health disadvantage, disability and mortality, while having lower educational achievements and income living in overcrowded houses and also have lower rates of access, availability, and utilization of healthcare services with reduced timely diagnosis and management. And so we know that they, we also experience higher rates of untreated childhood respiratory infections, have um, higher rates of adult smoking, and work in um, polluted and, and um, dusty environments or in, or in mines. And from a healthcare perspective, there's also a general distrust of mainstream health services due to direct and institutionalized racism and ongoing impact of colonization. Wow, thank you so much. That's interesting and unfortunate, really. So my, my second question is, we know that pulmonary rehabilitation is highly effective in improving exercise capacity and quality of life and in reducing hospitalization of people with COPD. I'm wondering what the evidence for pulmonary rehab in indigenous adults with COPD is, and is there any reason for the effects of pulmonary rehab to be different in this population? The evidence for pulmonary rehabilitation in indigenous adults with COPD is not very strong. There's not much in the um, published literature about that. And I think David's going to talk about this a little bit in, in one of the next questions. But I think I think that what we know is that the evidence for effect um, is going to be um, similar um, if people can attend pulmonary rehab because there's no physiological reason why the beneficial effects of pulmonary rehab for Indigenous populations would be any different um, to other peoples of the world and for whom we've got very strong research evidence of effectiveness uh, from our you know, Cochrane reviews, etc. I think one of the biggest differences may be the way Indigenous people view health and why they may not want to come to rehabilitation. Um, health is, is for them more of a, a whole community um, uh, event rather than an individual event. And therefore, um, the way we offer pulmonary rehab in, in mainstream um, services may not suit what Aboriginal people and their, their cultural view of the world. So there may be um, reasons why um, there will be differences in outcomes because of that. And I think we'll talk a little bit more in the podcast about engagement and, and reasons why that might be. Thank you. So my third question is, um, in an abstract of a systematic review that you both presented at the American Thoracic Society Conference in, in May this year, 2020, you concluded that pulmonary rehabilitation provided by an Aboriginal medical service improved outcomes for Indigenous people with lung or heart disease. And you also concluded that the lack of published studies in this field highlights the lack of research globally about culturally safe pulmonary rehabilitation programs for Indigenous adults. So what exactly is a culturally safe pulmonary rehabilitation program? What components, cultural factors need to be taken into consideration to create one? Well, yeah, that, that is correct. We did complete a systematic review of pulmonary rehabilitation for Indigenous peoples in Australia, New Zealand, Canada and the United States, which was guided by the decolonisation methodological framework. 
um, and it was a great opportunity to raise the profile of the importance of pulmonary rehabilitation with Indigenous peoples and the role of Aboriginal medical services who are uniquely positioned to deliver culturally safe um, services. So cultural safety can be defined as the individual or institutionalised institutional um, knowledge, skills, attitudes and competencies needed to change the way in which healthcare is delivered to better reflect the Indigenous people's sociocultural beliefs and perspectives to improve health outcomes. And so from the literature review, it really highlighted that pulmonary rehabilitations need to be grounded in Indigenous knowledges using culturally centred approaches that reflect the values of Indigenous services and communities. Um, it further highlighted that Strong Indigenous engagement, involvement and governance is uh, integral to program success, as is the use of Aboriginal staff in the service delivery component of both exercise training and health education. And I suppose there is a bit of a challenge to say, you know, one, one size fits all, because that wouldn't be appropriate. But I suppose for me, it's really about the active process of community engagement and participation in the design and construct of the program based on Indigenous people's needs and perspectives. And that really requires a genuine and authentic dialogue with community and a commitment from health professionals to adapt existing services and to incorporate Indigenous peoples from conception throughout the program. Okay, thank you. So now I'm, I'm wondering if you could comment on the format of these culturally safe pulmonary rehab programs. So how do you envision these programs being delivered where should they be integrated in a center where a traditional pulmonary rehab already exists or not? What kind of expertise and characteristics healthcare professionals working these programs should have? Well, very broadly, I suppose it really needs to be a strong emphasis on the process of community consultation. Um, I think there is value in exploring the delivery of pulmonary rehabilitation in partnership or by Aboriginal community controlled health services. Um, and that they must have the elements of pulmonary rehabilitation, such as exercise training and self-management education. Um, there is this value in um, the expertise of allied health professionals, such as exercise physiologists and physiotherapy. Um, but Aboriginal health workers or Aboriginal health professionals have a really unique position to play, a great role to play, because they understand both the cultural and the health knowledge of local community. Um, so incorporating them in the program, I think, is key. In terms of characteristics, I think there needs to be a great desire to build a relationship first with communities, um, to seek to understand, and also to have a commitment over the long term, um, and to have flexibility in the way in which um, their programs need to be adapted or include or incorporate local people's cultural perspectives. Okay, great, thank you. Um, so we know that uptake of pulmonary rehab is an issue regardless ethnicity. For example, factors that can influence uptake of pulmonary rehab can be access issues, such as time, transport, other responsibilities, participants' past experience, expectations, etc. So are there additional factors that influence uptake of pulmonary rehab by Indigenous people? So Indigenous peoples are less likely to access healthcare than non-Indigenous peoples for a, a whole range of reasons, including a lack of culturally safe services, low health literacy, living extremely remotely, or um, in some cases on reservations, um, and in some countries due to inadequate healthcare um, insurance coverage. 
So when Indigenous peoples eventually utilise healthcare services, they report additional barriers. So this is racism, receiving inappropriate care, which leads to feelings of fear, distrust and alienation. And so provision of culturally safe care is a key factor for Indigenous people to access health services and the ability of those services to achieve positive patient health outcomes, including the uptake and completion of pulmonary rehabilitation. Additional barriers for Indigenous peoples to attend mainstream pulmonary rehabilitations relate to the lack of attention to cultural needs and perspectives, um, having an unwelcoming um, or unsafe environment, um, which can further be compounded by the way in which health and wellbeing is viewed from a Western perspective, which can be quite individualistic and disease focused in comparison to a much more holistic um, concept on, of health that incorporates social, cultural, community wellbeing, which is common in many Indigenous cultures. Okay, very interesting. Thank you. So uh, prior to this podcast, you both mentioned to me via email that you were working on a recently funded project called Implementing Evidence into Practice to Improve Chronic Lung Disease Management in Indig Indigenous Australians, the Breathe Easy, Walk Easy, Lungs for Life, Be Well project. Do you mind explaining a little bit about this project and um, what specific outcomes you were looking to have? Yeah, thanks, Tanya. Yes, well, this is a National Health and Medical Research Council grant that we uh, were, were successful in um, receiving, which is was a call. Um, there's a group called the Global Alliance of Chronic Diseases, which manages which which funds um, research into managing chronic diseases in um, low-income countries and high-income countries with Indigenous populations. And this um, project is around, it, it's an implementation science project, which means that we know that pulmonary rehab can work if we can deliver it and provide it for people, but we don't know how, that, how to make that happen for Aboriginal people um, in Australia. So we're partnering with um, Aboriginal medical services to try and better understand what it is that's needed to enable those services to provide um, pulmonary rehabilitation. Uh, it's a five-year project and what is so nice about this project is that it's not like we have to deliver exactly the same service in every in every place we can adapt the service can be adapted according to the co-design and the needs of each community so we want to learn from each community and we we particularly um, asked to we've partnered with different um, sizes of uh, Aboriginal Medical Service. So we've got metropolitan, rural and remote sites where, that we're working with to try and understand also what are the differences and why some might be able to achieve um, getting a pulmonary program up and others might not. So we're trying to learn from that. I think key and something that David's already mentioned is that we are working with um, specifically Aboriginal health workers to upskill them to understand um, about chronic lung disease and chronic lung disease management and to be the key people in, in the program that, that's being delivered. So we're co-designing a lot of the resources with the Aboriginal health workers that will be able to be provided to those patients in those services that will be um, meaningful to those patients. So our self-management education will be provided by the Aboriginal health workers. We do have exercise physiologists or physiotherapists 
from the local towns who were upskilling also to provide pulmonary rehab and they'll work within those services. Um, and we're looking at the, out the outcomes we're looking for really is to understand, as I said initially, as to how effective this can be um, because Aboriginal medical services, which are community Aboriginal community controlled services, um, don't normally provide this level of service that they see patients when they're not well, but they don't normally provide rehabilitation. So we're seeing what's needed there. And we will be measuring the usual outcomes that we all in Pumi Rehab know. We, we want to find out whether it does change exercise capacity and health-related quality of life and reduce hospital admissions, which is really important because remember at the very beginning, I said that the hospital admissions are five times that of non-Indigenous people, which yeah. is a very big cost to Aboriginal communities to take people out of the community and they go to hospital where they don't like being. And also it's very expensive for the health service. So we'll be looking at all those outcomes. And um, we just think it's a really important piece of work to start bridging the gap in the health disparity between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people, uh, particularly in lung health, yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations on getting funding for this uh, very interesting project. I have to say we were thrilled when we got the funding because it's something that we think is needed and needs funding to make it happen, so yes. Excellent. I think now I'm going to my last question. So during this podcast, we talked about Indigenous people specifically. Uh, in your opinion, are there other hard-to-reach populations that we need to pay attention to when offering pulmonary rehab? And do you have any general recommendations on how to reach them and make pulmonary rehab more acceptable to them? I know this is a very broad question, but if you have any insights, I think it would be very interesting. Uh, yes, thanks, Tanya. Look, in Australia... Um, there are poorly serviced rural and remote populations. And I know that's not only in Australia. I know in Canada, you've got large rural and remote populations as well. I know I've done um, work with people in Brazil and the same things apply. And so um, I think we have a lot to learn about how to engage rural and remote populations because they honestly live too far from centres to go to centre-based rehab. And also there are not the health professionals um, available to provide that kind of rehabilitation. So I think we've all learned a lot from what we've had to do through COVID-19, um, which has been a huge stimulus to accelerate the uptake of tele telehealth and telerehabilitation. I know there was research happening in that area before COVID, but this has really been um, a huge um, impetus to, to get health professionals to really engage in that and also for the communities that we service to, to engage in that as well. And we've been surprised how well um, quite a lot of people, um, older people with chronic lung disease have, in, have really enjoyed doing programs um, via Zoom, et cetera, uh, at, remotely. And the technology is just uh, luckily, um, moving um, at, at the right time with us. So I think telerehabilitation is one option, but it's, you know, we, we know that we weren't going to all the issues around that, but it is certainly an option. There are another, uh, other things that I've seen happening around the world and certainly in Australia as well, which is these apps or websites. And um, we're at the moment in the middle of developing a, a mobile pulmonary rehab app called MPR, which also has a symptom monitoring aspect to it and videos attached, um, education, et cetera. So trying to deliver a whole proper evidence-based pulmonary rehab 
program via and out with, with regular contact with uh, health professionals um, that run the pulmonary rehab. So again, I think that that's another way we're going to be able to engage better across distance. And even in metropolitan areas, we know that there are hard to reach groups who just can't provide, can't get to programs. I think the big issue, um, obviously, in many countries is um, if, the, if the, there are groups who don't speak the common language of that country, and obviously, for example, we speak English, and so for people who don't speak English, it's more difficult and with cultural diversity for those people to engage. And I think we have to really pay more attention to um, using translation and using family members who can speak both languages to, to engage with our patients and, and help us that way. We found actually interestingly enough through tele-rehab, people doing uh, exercise at home, their family members, if they don't speak English really particularly well, their family members, younger ones have been able to help. Um, but I think really just bringing it back is that um, our biggest issue in Australia is, Ab is for Aboriginal people. They're the most critical um, group because they are Australia's first people and they are the people with the worst health outcomes. So I think that's mirrored in other countries as well, where indigenous communities, um, where colonization has occurred, those indigenous communities really have very poor health outcomes. So I think that really in Australia, we are trying to really focus on that group um, um, in, in our reach. And I think David might have some comments about that as well. Yeah, Tanya, I suppose I am slightly biased as well. <laughs> so, you know, in high-income countries, Indigenous peoples do have the, the poorer health, health outcomes um, than any other population. And so for those listening, now is the time to focus our energies to work with Indigenous peoples to provide pulmonary rehabilitation in culturally safe ways to improve health outcomes associated with chronic lung disease. Okay, thank you. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to discuss this topic. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much for all your very interesting responses. So I would like to thank you both for taking the time to discuss this important topic with me today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us, Tanya. We've really um, enjoyed the opportunity to talk about this because we think it's an important area for, for all of us working in lung health. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Tanya. It's been lovely speaking with you and to have the opportunity to raise the profile of this important work. Thank you.